Um, so, I mean, like, we're going to talk about video games on this one? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, I think yeah. we are. <laughs> I forgot. I, at first, I thought you were being sarcastic. Um, no, no, we actually are. All right, let's do it. And welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and maybe this time video games. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about Marvel movies. And I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about video games. I hope so. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. I played upwards of 15 minutes of a video game. I played about 30 minutes of a video game. <laughs> wow. But it was good. It was good. Truly, yeah. we are experts. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later, though, because first we have to talk about 2012's Thor, the, the Dark, Dark World. World. Um, this is going to be our most controversial episode yet. Oh, dude, yet. this is, just get ready, because these takes are caliente. <laughs> I can already feel the reader emails that we may get <laughs> over the course of this podcast lifetime about this episode. Yes, uh, I feel like we're about to burn the internet down. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Thor, this is Thor 2, the second Thor movie. Thor 2. Thor 2. <laughs> Why is this funny? Here's my it is funny I don't know. Though. It's funny. It is Here's funny. my question. Do you know what the dark world is? No, I have no idea. <laughs> right. I think I understand why people hate this movie in some ways, but we're going to talk about how we uh, feel about this movie later. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm in the light world <laughs> and all the rest of you are in the dark. Um, so this movie was directed by Alan Alan Taylor, noted who, TV director. Yes, which Wikipedia I think that we will, informs us. We will touch on later because I had never heard of Alan Taylor before. Um, but uh, Alan Taylor directed this. It came out in what was it like summer? Uh, sure, probably. Yeah, probably. It, this seems like a summer movie. Yeah, I wish I had seen this in the summer. I wish I had walked in hot day. They have air conditioning. Yeah. I go in, I see this movie, and I'm like, well, you'll see what I'm like later. (laughs) All right, let's just start start this. uh, Yeah, let's recap this. Okay, everything starts with a big flashback. Like, crazy flashback. Another, like, Odin is telling a story situation. Only, like, not even Odin is alive for this one. But he's, like, telling the story. He's telling the story about his dad, Boar. Boar. Who is fighting these dark elves, who, true enough, they look like evil elves. They they look like evil elves, but they're on, like, a space planet that's all yellow, kind of Venus-y. Did you see that picture from Venus? No. Dude, Russia sent a probe to Venus that lasted for, like, 15 minutes before... Venus destroyed it, but it took some pictures, and they took some pictures, and they look almost exactly like that. Well, it's crazy that we needed to send something someplace that we could have captured on a green screen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Th- yeah, and there were dark elves there. Yeah. Obviously, it's <laughs> the last thing it saw was a bunch of like masked elves shooting it with lasers. Yeah. So the dark elves in this uh, are cool looking. They're they wear cool really neat ceramic masks, um, and they are kind of like. A cross between your standard fantasy dark elves and the Borg from Star Trek in yes. terms of their aesthetic. Very accurate. I think that you described it as we were as we were watching it as like H.R. Geiger light. Yes, it is the and diet H.R. Geiger. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, if you have not gone to H.R. Geiger's website and viewed the article that is available there about when he made Jonathan Davis, lead singer of Corn, a mic stand. 
you should definitely go there right now. Check that out and enjoy the pictures of Jonathan Davis caressing this weird mic stand that H.R. Geiger made for him because they are spectacular. Yeah, it is as erotic as you expect. It's deeply erotic. In any case, we have these bad elves, the dark elves. They're led by this guy named Malekith. Is Ma- it Malachi? Malachi? Malachi. Malachi. We'll call him Malachi. Ma- Ma- he's more Mal. Mal, yeah. They're, is, they're led by this guy, Mal. Um, he wants to use this weapon called the Aether, which is like this powerful mystical mist. Yeah, it's that, like a, a juice of some sort. And he wants to use it to conquer all the nine realms, but Odin's dad says no, defeats them. Uh, Mal- Shoots him with a laser staff. Yeah, it, well, I don't know why they don't give everybody the laser staffs because everybody else has swords. I think that you kind of you can't give that to everybody. I like you can't fair. give everybody Thor's hierarchy. hammer either. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, um, they are a like a uh, uh, hierarchical patriarchal, patriarchal society. Yeah, yeah, like they have a king. They've got a king. It's a monarchy. These people are into like. Well, I don't have nice things, but the king does. Yeah. Um, in any case, Bor defeats them all, but Mal gets away and. Imprisons the Aether, this super weapon, in a stone. So, okay, here's my question, uh, and you can refresh me on this. Yeah. Does Boar put the Aether in the stone? Yes. Okay, but then when Malachi goes to sleep, he's like, we're going to go sleep in our invisible spaceship. And he sets the timer for when the Aether is released. Okay, and he's like, once that happens, we're going to wake up. Yeah, he's like, so he, yeah. He has like one, like a bunch of like. Lesser henchman and then like one best friend. He's got. Well, we'll get to that later. And his best friend, at, when they first go to sleep at the end of this, they're like, "Oh no, we're losing. Boar's blowing up all of our dudes." He's like, "I will ensure the survival of our race." It seems to me that the only people who are still alive are like Malachi, his best bro, and a bunch of other dudes. <laughs> so wh- how? Do they reproduce by budding? What is going to happen yeah, to the dark it, elves when they wake up? I think that's how it works. It's they're like plants. They didn't really, yeah. They've got both sexual organs and can okay. They can impregnate themselves. I hope that we see that in Thor three. We see a pregnant dark elf, <laughs> or or we just witness the copulation yeah. of the dark elf. I want to know what that the actually plan seems was. like. Something that might be in Thor three. Yeah, that actually is. It seems pretty out there. So in any case, they're hibernating. Um, <laughs> cut to today, Loki following the events of the Avengers, where he tried to commit genocide. <laughs> Never is forget, shackled and brought before Odin for these war crimes. Um, Rene Russo, who plays Thor and Loki's mother, Loki's adopted mother, and Odin's wife, is there again. She's got a little bit more of a role this time. And we learn that Loki is not being put to death, but is being imprisoned because Rene Russo is like, you know, she still cares yeah, about her adopted he, child. Well, and this, it's like, Loki is like, these people aren't my parents. Yeah. And then she, it's like, but Rene Russo still loves him as yeah. a son. And Odin does too, but he's a dude, so he's not going to show it. Show he's it. not going to no. show it. And, and everyone he, is very forgiving of genocide in Asgard, probably because they've committed some genocides like, themselves. Well, that is the strangest part of the whole thing, right? Is that like a large part of this is just them enjoying that, like they think they totally exterminated the Dark yes. Elves, and it's like the Dark Elves seem like bad, I guess. But I also don't. I mean, they live on a desert planet full of black sand and a yellow sky, so like. Yeah. I can understand why they might want to try and live in Asgard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're in Asgard, and it's like, we're going to imprison Loki forever down in the dungeons. Yeah. Meanwhile, Thor and the Warriors 3 are in this final battle that's being used to unite the Nine Realms on the um, 
on like the continent or whatever of Vanaheim. Well, what no, is, I think that's a, a realm? realm. It's a realm. Okay, Vanaheim is a realm, right? That's where the um, where the uh, Asian warrior three is from. Oh, so they're like defending his. They're defending his hometown, Karate Man's yeah, hometown from, from these <laughs> from these like random like marauders that Quake are One in. enemies. Yeah, because they're like medieval dudes. What got rocket launchers and laser pistols? Yes, one hundred percent. Like they're just like extra orc costumes from Lord of the Rings. But then they gave them the, rocket yeah, launchers. They gave rocket launchers. And too. I gotta say, I'm a big fan. And so um, they defend this whole thing and. Like, they summon a big bad rock dude. Thor shows yeah. up, kills big bad rock dude. Everybody's like, I guess he's pretty powerful. Nine realms are secured, and they travel back to uh, Asgard on the newly restored Bifrost. Yes. Which has been renovated thanks to, you know, whatever. It's actually a pretty good episode of This Old House, <laughs> where Idris, Idris is there, and he's like, we have this Bifrost we've had it for many years. And then the guy is like, did you know that you can put radiant heating in this Bifrost? And it'll keep your feet warm. It's actually much more efficient. <laughs> Idris was like, mm. <laughs> think of the savings. <laughs> My eyes see savings. Mine eyes. Uh, Idris Elba also has an expanded role in this film, which we will touch on. But they come back on the Bifrost, and we will learn relatively soon that they also take a lot of these rocket launcher-wielding orcs as prisoners, yes. which they will keep in the dungeons, which are kind of... They look like an Apple store, but they're <laughs> um, they're going to keep them <laughs> in the Apple like store Apple dungeon store. <laughs> with Loki. Um, so also, meanwhile, while all this is happening, we are informed that there's this weird thing going on called a convergence where the nine realms are literally lining up one over another. You explain this to me as being like string theory. That's kind of what it I, is, said, I think. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I, believed you. From what I understand of th string theory, which is very little, yeah. uh, that is it. One of the things that this is doing, though, is creating random portals all over the place. Right. Like, and on all in all the realms, there's just these portals that go from realm to realm to realm. Because the realms are lining up and intermingling. Yes, and intermingling. And so... So, also, meanwhile... Uh, on, on Earth, Earth Natalie is Portman heaven. is on a date. <laughs> yes, with the cop from, from Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. The man... I was saying this to uh, my wife earlier today... I think that about 50% of that man's time on screen is spent across from a person on a date reading a menu. I feel like in every movie he has ever been in. Oh, just they, in every movie. They just yes. put him across from a woman at a table and he is reading a menu and being somewhat charming and kind of a nerd. Yeah. Like, that seems weird. accurate. Like, That's a good a, way to make your money, though. There was an entire show on HBO that was entirely based around him doing that. Yeah. I liked the first episode. I liked that show. It was okay. The show is called Family Tree. Yeah. That was a Christopher Guest show. Yeah, it was. We should ditch this and just review every episode of that. I can do it right now from memory. The first one is really good. There's the girl who really like pours salt, salt in her clavicle. <laughs> that part's really weird. <laughs> uh, maybe a conversation for another time. So Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, is here having a date with Chris O'Dowd, the cop from Bridesmaids. And it's not going great because Jane is distracted. Uh, why? Maybe because her boyfriend ditched her two years ago to go back to Asgard. Yes, exactly. And he was hella jacked. Yeah, Chris he O'Dowd, was. not hella jacked. Oh, you, and there's that one shot of oh. Thor just like, it's like very early in the movie. Yes. And she's just like washing his hands shirtless. Well, he's washing his whole torso. Well, you don't see him like running his hands over his torso. No, but like, no. 
<laughs> you do not. But like you might as well. It is. He would be forgiven if you thought that that is what happened in yes. memory because he is glistening. They luxuriate on his body and especially. If thought, yeah. If you thought he was ripped last time. Dude. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Like the only person who is remotely competitive. It's like him, Steve Rogers and. Uh, I think he put eventually, Steve Rogers like, to shame. Like I, I guess he'll play Killmonger, but like when uh, oh, Michael, Michael B. Jordan, Jordan is ripped as Creed, he's yeah. like competitive. Like they are in, he is in that realm of like this is a joke, right? I mean, it's just amazing to me every single time that so much of these movies is CGI. Their costumes are CGI. Oh, yeah. The backgrounds are CGI. Their capes are but CGI. The one thing that is not CGI is Chris Hemsworth's body. <laughs> there is no way to simulate those pecs. Yes. Computers have not advanced that much. So this is why Jane is not over him. And we get it. We get it. So Jane's not over him, but luckily her intern, Darcy, I think her Darcy name is. Darcy is her name. My favorite character from the first, first Thor. movie. I like her less in this one, but I still like her. Yeah, she's still good. She shows up and she's got like an EKG meter or something. I don't know. And she's got some science device. Science device. She's yeah. like, look at these readings. It's They're off the charts. Measuring ectoplasm. Um and Jane is like, what's going on? And Darcy's like, come with me. And so they go and they go to this abandoned factory where these kids show them this random portal that has shown up between stairways. Um, yeah. Like in like a, a stairwell. They can like, there's like a truck that they can lift in this r- building. It's very strange. They All can, of it is very interesting. Yeah, they can like drop things off of a ledge and they like disappear. And sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Things are weird. Things are weird. There are portals and stuff. And Jane knows a little bit more about this because she is a physicist. But also because like her boyfriend is a supernatural traveling, interdimensional traveling god. Yeah. So um He travels Jane, for work. Jane wanders away. <laughs> Jane wanders that should have been a joke in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that would like, have been Are you seeing someone? I was, but he travels yeah, too. Yeah, he travels for business. Um Jane wanders away from the others and kind of like gets sucked through this doorway, which brings her to one of the the realms randomly. And we recognize it immediately as the realm with the ether. She accidentally releases the ether and it travels inside of her. Not good for Jane. And very good for the dark elves who who wake up in their Borg ship and are gonna do something. They're gonna come back. And in fact, this is when um, Mal decides that like, he takes his best friend, his buddy, and he like throws his arm around him. He's like, you know what, buddy? And then he stabs him. Mm-hmm. And then he sticks a stone in him and he turns him into a super elf. Yeah, like a super demon elf. So and now Mal has a best friend who's a super elf. Right. He's got like a really cool bro, though, to roll with where it's like he's like a cool security guard. Like Mal's some kind of rapper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know if this happens at this point, but at some point we learn that... Uh, Papa Skarsgård, the scientist from Avengers and who was controlled by Loki and colleague of Natalie Portman in the first Thor, has gone off the deep end and was found running nude around Stonehenge with some science devices. I loved it. Oh, it was a great scene. It was really good. And he is arrested and brought into a mental hospital for having done that. Yes. So this is all in the background. Yeah, we just know that that dude's brain got broke by Loki, by Loki. Really inhabiting it. it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Hawkeye is much more mentally strong than poor Papa Skarsgård because Hawkeye is unaffected. Well, Hawkeye has like a family and everything. He's got that support Does he? system. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Don't you see that Avengers: Age of Ultron? Don't they? Hang I out don't with know, man. I, I don't know. You saw it. I didn't see it. Is 
does Linda Cardellini play his wife? Probably. That sounds like something that would happen. Am I, just make, am I confusing it with Daddy's Home? Impossible to say. We'll find out once we get to Age of Ultron. <laughs> Where we accidentally watch Daddy's Home instead. <laughs> I will go to bat for about a third of Daddy's Home. I mean, weirdly, I think we're about to go to bat for another movie that's yeah. going to take a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back up in Asgard after, uh, after Jane has been taken over by the a- a- Aether, we're finally seeing more of Asgard. We see oh, yeah. Thor actually like partying he's with the warriors too there because <laughs> because the asian guy stayed on his home planet yeah um so now it's just lady sith and the warriors too and thor but, and there's like some kind of energy between sith and thor but he's not ready for that yeah yet. he's not into it like, like no, they, they, she's into it they but sort like, of make that they're like it's gonna be a love triangle and then yeah. they completely ignore it and they're like but natalie portman is way better than sith so who cares yeah. um she's a physicist she, you're a world famous physicist, um, but yeah, we see tons of Asgard. There are people pl- partying. There are people just walking around on streets. We see streets. We see causeways. We see people. It's like oh, it's much richer. This is a place worth fighting for. There are just signs of life. It's very clear that it's like it's like fall. Like there are seasons here. It has this uh, like autumnal quality to it, and like there's like day night cycles. It's not just like some random like set backdrop it's everything it feels is cg much more but textured. feels like a place yes uh and it's there is a strange element to it where um when i came out of thor i didn't know for sure like are the asgardians just normal people but they live in asgard so they happen to be like super strong or are they like legitimately special like are they all gods of some sort yeah and i feel like getting to see all of this makes it clear that it's like oh this is just like a place where the people are like this and then when they come to our realm they just don't fit in right yeah like we're mortals so it's just kind of like well in our realm we're not that but there's a lot of us and it's like a place with cultures and stuff yeah. it has a, it has a culture now yeah we can see that it has a culture so I really more than just architecture that. it has a culture yep all right so thor is upset so he's like wandering around because he misses jane and he goes to see heimdall and Heimdall is Idris Elba, is Idris Elba, who's like got a sword that he drives the Bifrost with. Yeah, yeah, pretty it's cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> pretty, co- pretty cool. <laughs> we agree. Pretty, pretty cool. cool. Two pretty cools up. <laughs> um, and Heimdall's like, by the way, Thor. Just so you know, um, I was w- I've always been keeping an eye on Jane because <laughs> she's kind of like involved. I'm the peeping Tom of <laughs> outer space. I close my eyes sometimes, but not often. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, she just blipped off the map. I don't see her anymore. And Thor's like, that's not good. Send me to Earth. Um, why he hasn't just gone to Earth this easily before that, I'm not well, really sure. Well, he did sure. for the Avengers thing. For the Avengers, yeah. Anyway, he goes down to Earth. He kind of runs into Jane right away. Who- this scene... When he shows yeah, up, you describe this scene because you really like this. Scene. I love this scene. So Jane is talking with their intern uh, outside of this. Oh, we building. forgot to mention that the intern <laughs> has an intern. That's true. Which is one of the best jokes in the movie. Is that like uh, the the intern uh, Darcy, the now, unpaid intern and, and to Natalie Portman, own, now has her own unpaid intern, which is a great little. I don't know. It's a, of, it's just clever. A font of good jokes. Yes. Um. But when Thor shows up back on Earth, suddenly it begins to rain because <laughs> he's in a bad mood and he is the god of thunder. Oh, no, it's just raining. No, he brings it with him. No, he yeah he does. Yeah. 
but I, I, it's because he wants it to be romantic. Oh, I see. And so he shows up, and like Natalie Portman realizes it's raining all around her, but not on her, and that mm. when she moves, the dry spot moves with her, and she looks up, and there's Thor also standing in a dry spot, <laughs> and they have a moment where like they reconnect, and then it's like, we need to get down to business, and he just waves his hand, and it stops raining. <laughs> it's nice. Beautiful. Very good. Beautiful. Such good movie. And she confronts him. She's like, "You never came back." And he was like, "I was busy uniting the nine realms." And she was like, "I saw you in New York." And it's the equivalent of like, "I saw you post pictures from New York on Facebook." Yeah, he he checked in to Central Park Chipotle. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you at that shawarma place. (laughs) Like that's it. You checked into the shawarma place. place. And he's like, well, that was a little different. I had to, like, wrangle my brother. And anyway, they kind of make up, but they don't make out because they don't got time. Because a cop comes over and he's like, excuse me, Natalie Portman. You're not meant to be here. This is private property. I am ignoring that weird wizard man with the big hammer. But you, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to take you in. And he goes to, like to like grab her or something and her body just reacts the aether in her reacts and like throws him across yeah like like she like has a creates an explosion yeah essentially and thor's like that's not right grabs her and they take the bifrost back to asgard blast off and this is a great scene because they shoot up into the sky and when they do it actually like up the front of a car is also caught in the like circle of rainbow bridge that they cut out Mm -hmm. and you see it and you're like, I hope that that car comes through with them. And it totally does. When they blast through on the other side of the bridge, the front end of a car shoots in and you're like, this is a much better movie than the one that we saw before. It's just like attentive. Yeah. It like, is attentive. It and is good details. Yes, good details. It is not, as we'll talk about later, it is not like breaking the mold. No. But it is consistently attentive to but detail. But it fills out the mold and yes. makes a good and thing. Every, and, and it has a, it's a good texture that you got on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um. Meanwhile, it's worth noting that like Loki is in prison and he's hanging out in his apple cell and Renee Russo is visiting him because she still cares about him because you know she's still his mom. And we learn though that like when she visits him, she's basically throwing her image the way that Loki can do. So we know that he has learned that from his own he mom. He got all of his tricks from his from mother. His mom. So his mom is also to, in her own way, like kind of a trickster. Yeah. And we kind of like know that they have a relationship still and that Loki still cares about her. Yep. So at this point, the bad elf man, the big bad elf man that got the stabbed with the rock yeah. <laughs> and is now a big demon gets like... I call him super elf in my notes. Okay, super elf uh, is like taken in as part of the group of prisoners that were on that planet with the ninja man. So dark elf is also in the holding cells. Meanwhile... Uh, up in like the upper parts of Asgard, Thor is having some science magicians run tests on Natalie Portman to be like, "What? What is this Aether thing?" And yeah. they're like, "We're not sure, but its power is off the charts." And Odin comes in, and Odin says, "Uh, why is she here? Why have you woken me from my Odin sleep? <laughs> my Odin I was, nap? <laughs> I was napping, and then I I sense something." And he's like, "She has the Aether in her." And everyone's like, what's that? And Odin's like, come, let's look at this book together. Yeah. He's also just very distrustful of Natalie Portman because she is immortal and will yes. die within 100 years. And, and he doesn't want that for his boy. Yeah, he, she's in, he doesn't want to see his boy heartbroken at some point. Right, right. So um, Odin like takes them both into the library where they look at a book and they realize that two things. One, the Aether will kill Jane if it stays with her for too long because she is but immortal. And two... 
the fact that Jane has arrived bearing the Aether and that the Aether is in Asgard portends a prophecy that the Dark Elves would return and attack the Asgardians. At this moment, down in the jail cells... The big bad dude, the big bad elf. elf, super elf... He like pulls the rock out of his side or whatever, yeah. and it somehow is the, it is the Joker in the Dark Knight. Yes, yes. He, he like the, blows up the cell, and yeah. then he starts freeing all of the prisoners from all the cells, and he goes like cell to cell and opens them up, and he gets to Loki's cell, and Loki looks at him like, "Bro, let me out of the cell," and the dude's just like, "Nah," <laughs> but Loki's still like, "You know what? Take the stairs on the left." Yes, Loki helps him know where to go. Where to go. And to so, destroy Asgard. Meanwhile, all the dark elves that are left are flying into Asgard and they're attacking yeah. in these like Star Wars, Star Wars ass. ass TIE fighter <laughs> planes. Like Super Star Wars. Very Star Wars. Um, but Odin's like, put up the walls. Yes. Prepare the secret <laughs> weapons. <laughs> Deflector shields. <laughs> uh, so they put up the shield, but then the big bad dude. The super elf. Yeah, the super elf. <laughs> He takes it down. Yeah, he lowers the shield. And then... Thor and the Warriors 2... Thor, Lady Sif, and the Warriors 2 have run down to fight the people who are escaping from the um, yep. from the prison. Yep. And Rene Russo is like, Thor, you go down and fight. I'll take Jane with me. So, And she like grabs Jane by the hand and says, like, come with me if you want to live. Yep. And grabs like a sword off of like, a, 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 departing, a departing like That dude warrior. also dies, we assume. Probably, because he, he didn't have a sword. Have a sword. <laughs> He went to reach for it. It was like, fuck. Oh, no. (laughs) Got (laughs) Russo'd. For the last time. Uh, So, like, all kinds of intense things are going on. Uh, Super Elf and Mal are now looking for Jane because they realize that she has the ether. So, they're, like, they're, like, in search of her, and they finally find her. They pursue her and Rene Russo. Um and they like are like stuck in this like room and Renee Russo is like fighting off the dark elves with her sword and yep. kills a bunch of them. So she's proved her badassery. But then they uh, like either super elf or Mal, Mal like managed to take Jane uh, captive and like hold her captive. Yeah. And we think the gig is up. But then it turns out that Jane was actually an illusion created by Rene Russo and she disappears. Mm-hmm. And Rene Russo is like, I gotcha. And then Trickster. they stab Rene Russo. They kill Rene Russo. Yeah. Thor's mom, Loki's mom. Thor Odin's walks wife. in, zaps some people, but yeah, it's Thor's too late. there like just like oh. t- five seconds too late. If only he hadn't hit that light. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> like right on that edge, man. So, yeah, Thor doesn't make it. Everyone is very sad. Oh, no. At this point, though, like, Malachi and the super elf leave? They they escape, but they okay. did not manage to take Jane. And so their their plan is overall a failure, but they did attack. They, they managed to kill Rene Russo. Yeah. So now we have to have funeral for Rene Russo. Right. They send her out to sea. Yeah. They release a bunch of lanterns. And, like, in many ways, good for her. She literally quadrupled her on-screen time in this... Second oh yeah, Thor no, it's movie. a much it's a much larger. Every role. character gets a better deal in this. Every we'll character. talk about. Well, I don't know if I want to say better deal, but well, I'm saying like every character actually gets to be a character. Yes, regardless and of whether or not everybody you, like, got paid more. Well, maybe we'll see. But you know, regardless of how it resolves, everybody at least gets to have some development. Yes, yeah, I will agree with that. So everybody's sad, but things still need to get done. <laughs> 
Um, Thor comes up with a plan, but it, we don't know exactly what the plan is yet, but we, I don't think that they tell us, but we'll just spoil it here. Thor is like, if we take Jane and we bring her to one of these planes, we can lure in Mal and his super elf and because they want the Aether and then we can, we can destroy the Aether and kill the two of them. Exactly. But we need to get Jane out of Asgard first. But Jane is under lock and key because that's not cool. No one is because allowed to leave his, Asgard. And because Thor's father has locked her up. Yes. Uh, and so he, it would be treason for them to take her. Yes. It is full on treason. Full but on luckily, treason. But luckily, Thor's got some really good friends. So he sits down with Heimdall, Lady Sif, and the Warriors 3. And as Warriors he ex- 2. Warriors 2, you're right. As he's explaining his plans, was that guy just like busy, Third, the third warrior? No, he was like, I got to stay here with my bros. But like, no, I mean, like, was the actor just busy? So he had like a know. day he... to shoot his stuff? Maybe. Yeah. And they just, like, or did he draw the short straw because they were like, we don't have enough time for three warriors. We can only do two. We only have so many seats at this table in and this set. Yeah. And he was just like, shit. I don't know. Well, it's unclear to me. All right. In any case, they we see their plan being explained as it is acted out. And it's just basically like them heist escaping. movie situation. Yeah, very, very enjoyable. I, I I like that like, kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like not worth running through, maybe, but like enjoyable. Uh, I you know I, I like it well enough. Yeah, the important thing is that they they get they get Loki out. Well, yeah. So part of the plan is that Loki also wants revenge because of the death of his yeah. mother, and it's like Thor goes to Loki, and Loki makes the case that's I am emotionally bereft. All yeah. I want is revenge, and Thor is like, I will let you get out of this to get your revenge. You're going to go back afterwards. Yeah, but. And lo- in this, we're going to go. We're going to work. And also, Loki knows a special, a hidden portal that will take them to one of the nine mm. realms that they that they can use. I actually really like that scene because initially, when Thor comes down, um, Loki's being very smug in his like Loki in his Lokiness, and he's just kind of like smiling and pretending that he doesn't mm-hmm. care that his mom is dead. And then Thor like just like sees right through him, and he's just like enough of this and then the entire like facade of it vanishes yeah and loki is actually like trashed his room and is just like a mess yeah and, like sitting in the corner broken his, man his foot is bleeding which is like a nice weird little touch like he has yeah. stepped on some glass He's and he kicking broke. the wall yeah it is i found that like surprisingly affecting oh it's good yeah yeah so loki is now you know we're all like well he did try for genocide yeah. but I guess he's a brother's a brother and a son is a son. So let's give him a chance. So they escape. They ride a space boat, a cruiser of some sort to like through this other portal. And they end up on Svartholheim, which is Svartholheim, Svartholheim, which is where the dark elves be. uh, I think. They end up on Svartholheim? Yeah, they end up on Svartholheim. Okay. And uh, Mal and his super elf show up as planned. Right. And so like, they march out there, and at this point... It's like a standoff. Yeah. There was a big deal where it was like, should we give Loki a weapon? Thor yeah. is like, I will give you your dagger, but man, that seems like a bad idea. And Thor has even said before this, I expect he will try and betray me. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, well, here we go. Yeah. They're, they're about to... like do the fight where because I, I guess the idea is that mal will try to extract the aether taking it out of jane and then thor will kill mal and destroy the aether once it's out of jane right because in that moment the elves will be vulnerable and distracted. yes and the aether will be vulnerable but loki 
is the trickster, and so he cuts off Thor's hand. He stabs his brother and cuts off his hand. Oh, no. Oh. And Jane is, like, lifted into the air, telekinesis style. He's like, I will give you Jane, and the only thing I want in return is to watch these people die. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. I am Loki, the trickster. And so the elves are preoccupied with trying to get the Aether out of Jane. What they haven't realized... <laughs> Is that Loki has double-crossed. He's a double trickster! <laughs> He's triple-crossed everybody. Really, this is a triple-cross in many ways. It is like a quadruple-cross. As cross. we will learn later, oh, it is it much is. more... There are many more crosses so many, going on. So much crossing. It is a Catholic church. <laughs> um, so it turns out that Loki didn't really cut off Thor's hand, and Thor grabs his hammer and like attacks Mal and, and the super-elf, and there's a battle... And Mal, um, but like he's not able to destroy the Aether, and Mal does get the Aether. But like Thor is fighting Super Elf, and Super Elf is very powerful, very powerful big elf, big elf, and it kind of is not looking that great for Thor. When all of a sudden, Loki stabs the Super Elf. It's sick. He stabs him like right through the chest, (laughs) like like the sword just goes right through the Super Elf's torso and is sticking out the back. And the elf like staggers back and Loki's like, I did it, brother. I saved you. But even more metal yet. (laughs) (laughs) The gigantic elf picks Loki up bodily and then pulls him onto the sword that is stuck in the super elf's body, uh, stabbing him on the sword that he was already been impaled with. Yeah, it is. Drops Loki, you're like, that's bad. But wait, the thing that was stuck in him was actually a bomb. Yeah, and he blows up. So the super elf blows up. That's pretty good. Goodbye, super elf. Loki, though, not so great. No. Goodbye, Loki. Uh, goodbye, Loki. Uh, it's been nice. <laughs> Hope you find your he Loki goes paradise. And then, like, I can't remember if he, like, turns to dust. I don't know. He but he dies. Loki dies. He dies in Thor's arms. Yeah, which is pretty sad. I mean, it's um, but sad Thor promises. For Thor. Thor promises that he'll get revenge. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Mal has managed to escape, um, and Thor and Jane just like retreat into a cave that they that they need to just like go hang out. Well, in, I it's guess. like they're dust storms, and yeah, they're on so, some weird Venus-like planet. Yeah. So they go into this cave. How can and they breathe everywhere? I don't know. It's magic, science magic. Okay. okay. Um, they go into this cave and they're like, "What are we gonna do?" When all of a sudden Jane's cell phone starts ringing. It's uh, our old friend Chris O'Dowd. It's Chris O'Dowd on the other line, just being like, "Hey, what you up to?" I'm and just she, doing copies at work. Yeah. And and she just wants him to stay on the line because she because she realizes there must be a portal nearby. They buy they find like some cans and like a bunch of shoes. They find the stuff that was thrown in in yeah. the earlier scene. Yes, all the stuff that it had been like kind of occasionally disappearing from the portal in that abandoned building in the earlier scene. So they're able to go back to London. Yeah. So they end up um they take the portal, they end up back on Earth in London. Meanwhile, intern and intern have gotten Papa Skarsgård out of the mental hospital. And they're like, you clearly understand the convergence that is happening. What can we do? Yeah. And everyone gathers at a really nice London apartment. Really nice. We don't know who this belongs to. Very nice. But it's very beautiful. Um, Great moment when (laughs) Thor comes in and seeing a coat rack hangs up his hammer. (laughs) This. So it is a delightful moment. He's like very thoughtful. Yeah. Wonderful. Legitimately, though, makes me very curious about the properties of the hammer. Because then I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, so the hammer can only be picked up by Thor. 
but like if he puts it on the second floor second story floor of a house it doesn't like blast through to the ground well it's like the heaviest thing in the world unless you're thor but i don't but like how can he hang it on a on a coat rack because it's fucking comic books. but i just like i love it like i, I actually enjoy I, thinking about it very much i'm glad you do <laughs> I just think it's funny that Hank's oh, it's hilarious. He's just, he's just like he's just like I love how he like looks at it and he's like, hmm, this is yes, what this, this is, is for. obviously <laughs> where this belongs. It's, it's, it's a wonderful. It is some of the like best character building yes. that the Thor movies do in a way that like I absolutely adore. And I it makes totally me agree. Really like the character. Oh, he's great. But um, I, I just I gotta know if you know if you understand why Thor is able to hang his hammer on the wall. Please write in. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, podcast at zero stars dot co. That that's, is a co. That's a co. Like Colorado. Yup. Um. So Papa Skarsgård gathers everyone around a table. He is not wearing pants, which is played for laughs multiple times. And it is always funny. <laughs> it kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> he is just walking around in tighty no pants. No pants. But he pr- puts a map down. And he's like, "This is where everything will converge." And they realize it's going to be over Greenwich, which is like a neighborhood of London. I don't know. Yeah, London. it is. It's a train right away. Okay, so it's yeah, just really close on the tube. So they uh, they figure out this is where the nine realms are going to be converging. This is where Malachite will be with his crazy crazy ship ship thing that looks like a giant T. Yeah, he's like going to drive. He, so th- what they realize Malachi wants to do, Malachite, Malachite, Malachi, wh- whatever he wants to detonate the ether weapon like while the realms are converged, oh, so, it can so destroy all that it once. will destroy all the realms. Which again, I'm just like. What is this plan? Because then it's like, now there are no other people. Ah, 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 ah. (laughs) I don't understand. Uh, If I can't populate my world, no one can populate their world. His motivation makes no sense to me. And I don't understand, like, what his endgame is at all. I mean, I think it is, it is like absolute destroy the world and everything. But or the world's why would anybody it. want to because do that? Because he can't have sex, so he doesn't want anybody else to be able to have sex either. I don't know if I buy that. It's incel philosophy. Whoa. We shouldn't buy it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> We're going to get some emails about that. <laughs> it's podcast at <laughs> zerostars.co. Um, anyway, a giant battle ensues. Yeah, so like the ship shows up in downtown London. Everyone is running away and is scared, uh, except for intern and intern Papa Skarsgård, uh, Natalie, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster and Thor. Yeah, because they're they like, running towards the chaos because they have these weapons that Skarsgård developed. They look like camera tripods, but they yeah. they will open portals, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is that during this entire action sequence portals are randomly opening between the world so people are like running towards something and then suddenly being sucked into a different place yeah. whether or not that's on this plane of existence varies thor thor and mal are kind of like going at it and they're like fighting through various planes space of and time just being like pulled through portal after portal after portal i think it's kind of cool oh it's a great sequence yeah i thought it was really well it's done. a really really nice staging for it, an action sequence it could have been really poorly handled like mm-hmm. Maybe with a bunch of Dutch angles. Who knows? <laughs> Who can say? But like, I thought that it was like really clear what was going on at all times. I was never confused. Like, no, really great. well shot. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so they fight a bunch, and then Malachi's like, "I will detonate the thing," and like he's like, 
I don't, I'm doing a Christ pose right yes. now because that's what he's he's like standing and like floating in the middle of this purple haze or whatever, and it's like I'm detonating the weapon, and then and Thor th- takes the camera tripods developed by Papa Skarsgård, yeah, and he um and he like wanders into the ether mist and just like throws one at Mal at Mal, and it like lands on his arm and teleports his arm to Sparkleheim. <laughs> And because that's apparently where these are are programmed to send yeah, th- things. Yeah, th- it seems very convenient that this thing launches everything to Svartalheim. Yeah. but I, I don't know. So and then he like gets him with another one. It launches another limb, and then finally he he it manages to send all of Mal to Svartalheim. Well, he like impales him into his ship, into his ship, and then yeah. the ship starts to like blow up, and then the whole ship gets teleported to Svartalheim and like By falls on him. Though. At the last minute, Papa yeah. Skarsgård teleports the whole and ship. And then, like, falls and so on Malachi. Mal, yeah, Mal is, like, on Svarselheim, and he looks up, and then the ship is suddenly there, and he's like, oh, no. Yeah. And it's classic. very very classic bad guy gets crushed. Yeah. Well, we love it. Yeah, everybody loves it when the bad guy gets crushed. Everybody loves it. Um, so What happens? Oh. Jane and the others are just, like, having breakfast the next morning. They're like, where's Thor? And she's like, he had stuff to do. He's traveling for work Yeah, but again. maybe he'll be back. With, let's hope. Thor... Then cut to Asgard, where Thor is meeting with Odin, who is like, you can now ascend to the throne. Yeah, even you though you were, I forgive you for your treason. You did the right thing. And Thor is like, I don't want to be a king because a king has to make compromises. And I want to be a hero in my own terms, not a political. And I want to be a, I think he says, I want to be a good man rather than a great king. Yes. And yeah, he wants the freedom to, to not rule. Yes. Which is understandable. Yeah, because being Thor is pretty dope. Yeah. And so at this point, he's like, you can have the hammer. Like, Thor says, like, I will give up the hammer. Yeah. Which is insane because it seems like the Who's fun of take being... It from him? Well, the fun of being Thor is that you get to fly around with the hammer. But <laughs> So it's like, I would rather be a king with the hammer <laughs> yeah. than a dude without the hammer. But anyways, Odin says, no, keep the hammer. It's yours. You, and as long as you're worthy, you can pick it up. He's also like... I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to go in a roundabout way, imply that I am proud of you. And you're like, wow, what a great moment between father and son. Thor Thor walks walks away. away. We're gesturing at each other. No, to to you. You do it. Loki is the trickster. Loki has been disguised as Odin this whole time. The illusion falls away, and we realize that Loki is sitting on the throne. Where is Odin? Who can say... He's probably asleep. He's probably asleep. He's a sleepy boy. And that's the end of the movie. How long did that take, Bob? 42. We're, we're improving. That was actually really good. Yeah. All right. Um, this movie was a little bit shorter than the others. Yeah. But uh, what do you think of this movie? I really like this movie. I thought this was a pretty good movie. I would, I would honestly say in many ways I love this movie. I think it's worth noting that if you Google worst <laughs> Marvel movies... Outside of like the Fantastic Four movies, if you are looking at like the MCU, Thor: The Dark World is consistently considered the worst of the Marvel Which MCU. Which I think is insane. It boggles my mind. Like it genuinely points to a high standard of quality across all of them. Yes, but it also indicates in some way that the Incredible Hulk does not exist. Well, the baffling thing is that the Incredible Hulk and this have the exact same rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which. But concerns me. But people still tend to say that Thor, the Dark World, is worse than Than the the Incredible Incredible Hulk, Hulk. which is madness. This movie, um, just uh, like on the most basic level, if I compare it to the first Thor, it has better characterizations, 
all of the costumes feel better. Everything is more expensive. It is shot mo- more coherently. They have characters in all of Asgard making me realize that it's a real place. Everything feels tactile and believable. Um, Loki, I feel, is given more to do and seems less one-dimensionally evil uh, yeah. while still being one-dimensionally evil in the way that he apparently is. He's and a comic just, book character. We just need to learn to not trust Loki. It's yeah. just not that hard. Um, he couldn't get out of that cell. God, why did we let him out of that cell? We let him out of... They're, they're always letting Loki out of cells. They're just, it's it's just leave him idea. in the cell. Um, yeah, I mean, it is just across the board an improvement over the first Thor. Yeah. But beyond that, I think it's better than like... I, Captain America. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. Yeah, part. we'll get we'll get to but that. But like, I agree yeah. that it is a good movie. If I went to see this in the summer on a hot day, like we were saying, I can't imagine being disappointed by it. Why do you think people don't like? it? I have no idea. I, I actually I, don't. Get I it. think I know. Go. I think that it is the bad guy, and sort of his muddle. There is no reason for that dude to be doing what he's doing. No, whatever. And it's and he's not like you're. He doesn't have like the charisma of a typical bad guy. It's played by Christopher. Christopher Eccleston, because of course all Thor movies have to have some sort of like Shakespearean trained actor, mm-hmm. like English actor playing an alien in makeup. Yep. But like it is, he's just sort of like a nothing villain. But you have Loki there who is enough to get you by on like interesting, sort of more complex. Well, and like, I feel villainry. like the villain, it's, it's almost, I was nothing but critical of him during this breakdown right like he has no i have no idea what he's trying no, to do it doesn't make Except any sense that he is just totally it's a strange like inversion of normal storytelling where the villain is actually is driven by a MacGuffin. like the villain is like i want that thing the magic juice give me the magic juice and so the villain is just trying to get the thing that the hero has and that's almost enough reason, right? Like well, for Thor just to be like, I need to prevent them, or in some way like thwart them getting this thing. Yeah, is kind keep of them enough. From getting the nuclear weapon because a nuclear weapon will end will create a nuclear winter that will end everything. Sure. Or it's it's like think of it as like instead of man versus man, it's man versus nature. Yeah. Like exactly. we need to There's stop this, this existential threat. Yeah, that is just going to blow things up. Thor and, needs to stop it, and more importantly, right now the locus of this force is the person that Thor cares most about. Yeah. So like, I'm fine with that. Like, yeah, I, in many I, ways it really works. It's, it's certainly much better than the clusterfuck that is <laughs> Iron Man. Oh Lord. Villain, villain team. Work. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, on a pure, like this is a movie perspective. I think that this is in many ways workmanlike, but in the th- best definition of that, I in think, the best way. Oh, I agree. And I think that like it is the anti Iron Man three. Oh yeah, across the board, and that's partly in that like, in in the villain. So Christopher Eccleston as Dark Elf Mal Malachith Malachith zero personality. In he's, he's in evil. Iron he's in evil. Iron Man three, Guy Pierce, bad villain, poorly written, but personality, personality, definitely personality. I think that generally people probably prefer personality in their villains that don't make sense two kind of like bland force of nature villains that like if we view this as just an existential threat an existential threat doesn't necessarily need to have a personality climate yeah. change doesn't have a personality totally it's just bad yeah and i think that that's something that people aren't as crazy about that well, would be my guess i'm with you on that uh the other thing i'll say about this movie it, this movie makes i don't know i feel like some of the recent star wars look pretty weak because this movie like asgard looks like naboo 
like this just feels like a Star Wars movie in so many different ways. Like the ship to ship dogfight combat stuff Pretty is good. legitimately, I think, better than what the Star Wars movies have had recently. Yeah. Uh, like holds up super World War II influenced in the way that it, all good dogfighting should be. <laughs> like looks cool, fun flight chase scenes. Uh, you know good battle scenes good battle scenes they're punching people like there's none of the weightlessness where thor just spins the hammer around and people just fly away from him it's a lot of like people punching each other and then sometimes thor can electrocute them yeah um the dark elves look cool yeah uh someone actually put like work into the design of their ships and there's a consistency to it that's really nice but it's it's and it's like derivative of several things but not of any one thing so it's kind of fun yeah and the thing that i really like is that everything feels expensive. Like, Thor's outfit in the first Thor, and even in the Avengers, just looks like it is made out of, like, a single piece of plastic that somebody bought at a Toys R Us. And in this movie, it looks like metal that took a bunch of time to make. It's got rivets on it. His cape has all the fabrics in it are, like, richly textured, expensive-looking things. And I understand it could just be as simple as they got a budget. I think that, I think that's a huge part of it, but it's probably also an art department that's just gotten better at doing this kind of thing. Well, and in the same way that when we talk about Iron Man 3, we're like, this is the way I want the suit to look, like, yeah. to act. You know, this is how I conceive of the suit. I think that the people working on the visual design for this... Have gotten better. Have well, have my understanding of how that sort of thing should look because I can see somebody making the case that's like, no, I like the way it looks in Avengers more, and that's fine, right? Like, yeah. it looks more like a comic book. Yes. This looks more like like a, a physical painting. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's just influenced by a different side of visual design. Yeah, and I'm definitely on board with liking this much more than I like the kind of like overtly comic booky. Um, exactly vibe of the Avengers as effectively put together as that was. Yeah. So what what do you dislike about this film? Um, I gave you an earful of this while we were watching it. <laughs> it's true. That's why I asked you this question. Um, I really dislike the treatment of Rene Russo's character mm-hmm. as a, is it Hella is her name or no no that's Hera Hera I don't I can't remember her name they say it like once. <sighs> Um, Rene Russo plays again Thor's Thor and Loki's mother um, and Odin's wife. She and Odin certainly have no rapport, but she has something of a relationship with with her two sons that was definitely not established in the first movie, where she is on screen for a total of maybe like two minutes a and quarter has three of a lines. second. Yeah, um, they give her much more to do in this, yes. and I think that. At first, I was like, this is interesting. Her relationship with Loki is interesting. I like that like she still cares about her mm-hmm. son, and I'm glad that they're giving her more to do. Yep. Then there's this moment when she when she takes Jane, when Asgard is under attack, and she takes that soldier's sword, and I my immediately like my stomach dropped, and I was like, they're going to kill her. <laughs> you know that they're going to kill her, and you know that they're going to kill her. As they do, they do kill her, and they kill her so that Loki and Thor can have a motivating reason to go after the elves, so that to make it personal. Well, it gives them a reason to get Loki out, because... Like the it's like the only thing they could feasibly do that would drive Thor to get Loki out. It is but it's just like it's the oldest, like laziest writing trick of like kill kill a woman who is close to some men so that the men can have the motivation yeah, sure. to then go and take down the bad guy. And I mean I think that like in the comic book parlance it's known as fridging. And it is something that just Can you explain to me what that is from? 
in an old like 1980s issue of Green Lantern, Green Lantern comes back from being away and um, he's like been fighting bad guys and like saving the day and he gets home to his apartment and he opens the fridge and his girlfriend has been <sighs> murdered and stuffed in the fridge. Oh my God. And this Whoa. is meant to shock and disturb you because it you don't expect shocked it and to disturb happen. Me. I know. It, you don't expect it to happen. And it gives him the motivation to go after the really bad guy. Um, and his girlfriend, this character, is not particularly well developed. She doesn't, you know, she, at least in this case, like Rene Russo, like gets to be a badass before she dies. But there's also this element of it that feels exceptionally pandering in that it is like, we know that we're about to fridge mom. So before we do that, we have to make sure that we give her character. Well, so like it's it's better that they do it this way than the alternative. But like also, maybe don't write it that way sh- or kill Odin. Anthony Hopkins doesn't want to be there. He clearly does not want to. No, be he there. doesn't want to be there. I'm I'm not going to deny that. But like, I don't know. I don't. I feel like you have like a very. You can have a. Uh, jaded view of like the overarching plot device yeah but then it's like okay if we just accept that they have chosen to go this route they they have to do give her character and i think that they do so effectively and it does give loki a reason to care they do so effectively and economically well so and they are to a degree writing a ship that was oh that was Fucked up in the first in the first Thor movie where they hire a big name actor and then give her absolutely no time on screen. Right, um, but it does need to be her because Loki has a connection to her because they both can do the tricks, which is established in the earlier one. I agree. Um, I just is it established in the earlier one yeah, that she I can do the it, tricks? I think it is. I, I mean, it in any case, I still find it like a little lazy that they have to kill her at all. I mean, I don't think that anything in this movie is like high effort, but I think it's all high competence. Yeah, I mean, I think it says a lot that I think that this movie is otherwise good. It is just like I feel like it. I would be remiss if I didn't point out such an egregious example of this particular kind of thing in the in the essentially the medium that created the conceit of fridging. Yeah. Because it is so rampant in comic books. Sure. Um, and to this day. Have they done that in any of the Marvel movies yet? They play around with it when, um, when, when Pepper dies in Iron Man 3, but that's not because that's she's different. killed by, yeah, by a bad guy. Then they and use, then she, and they use Coulson. They use Coulson, but that's different because Coulson's not a woman. No, I, yeah. I that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, so at this do... point, the Marvel movies have used this thing, which is a trope outside of the Marvel movies, yes. but within the Marvel movies is just a thing that happened once. Yeah, it's happened previously it's... once in the Marvel movies. With no. Coulson. Well, I mean, it hasn't... I don't think it's, it... But that's what I'm saying. They yeah. have not... So, right now, I'm not going to judge them for it. But if they keep doing it, then it's a problem. I don't but think that you can judge no, it just no. within within the Marvel movies. I you have to judge can, it within the culture that, at large. But I think that, like... In the culture of comic books, it is, like, pervasive and, sure, and sure. Like, a problem. But I think that it's a reasonable plot device on some level if you develop the character, which I think that they do. I think it's like... I mean, it, they do is, to a minimum. Sure, but they have... They're telling a story in an hour and a half, man. So they do. Like, we, we agree that... Like, we understand why Loki cares more about his mom than his dad. He feels disowned by his dad. He feels like his mother is still connected to him. Yeah. Okay. So, at this point, that is a reasonable plot device. But that's all about Loki's 
personality. But we need his, to get Loki his, out his of inner jail. conflict. But yeah, but none of it is actually about Rene. Rene Russo's character in this is like, we learn that she can fight and we learn that she still cares about Loki. But all of this is all so that Loki can have character development. Totally. Not so I'm, that I'm she not can. denying that. I'm not denying that. But we learned all those things about Coulson so that other people could fight, right? So like, this is just making a movie. And yeah. if, they, if every other Marvel movie they kill a woman that they haven't developed particularly well so that the characters can go forth and do things, then it's a problem. But right now we're equal opportunity in the context of Marvel movies. Right? And so in both cases, I think it's a reasonable plot device. But if they, as like an entity that is telling stories, continues to rely on it, then it's a problem. Then it's a problem for me in this place. But I don't think that the idea of a relatively underdeveloped character dying to motivate other characters is inherently bad. And sometimes the character that is best suited in the group of characters I have is going to be a woman, right? And so if I acknowledge that and don't every time make it a woman, it's okay. Like we can't live in a world where the person who dies is never a woman. To make up for lost time. No, certainly. I think that it depends on how it's handled. And I think that the handling of Coulson is different than the handling of Rene Russo's character. Really? Yeah, I 100% oh, do. Oh, I feel like it's very similar. Because Coulson gets much more screen time across the movies. He also, but he's not a character but he's prior also, to that. His development is not used specifically to like his minor development. Giving him traits, really, because Rene Russo's character isn't really developed so much as that she is just given two traits. Well, she's and, given those connections both, to the characters. But they are both used for Loki's character development. Mm-hmm. They are both tools to advance Loki's character development, which you don't get in the same way with Coulson, who is really just there to provide like a mechanism for the final battle when everyone is feeling down. It doesn't actually evolve anyone's characters. No one's characters yeah, change, whereas Loki actually changes as a person because his mother was murdered. No, I think that he doesn't. I think that he, he definitely in the does. same way it gives Loki a reason to get out because at the end of the day, if Loki was changed, but Loki, he wouldn't, Loki loves his mother and he uses his mother's death to pursue the exact same goals that he was pursuing prior to her death. So where is the change? We don't know that he's pursuing the same goals. He's sitting on the throne. You tell me, but he's not, he's not trying to conquer earth. Not yet. Why else does he want to be king? He, all he's ever wanted is to be king of Asgard. He wanted to conquer earth to prove to his dad that he could be king of Asgard. Like, Come I mean, on, man. I, th- I think that this also points out a lot of other issues with just like, just where is Odin in general? I assume that he is but, asleep in a jail cell. <laughs> he is in the Apple store, knocked out, dude. But he yeah, can go I, to sleep I forever. see what you're saying. I just think that the Coulson example and the Rene Russo example are, are, I see, and I see what you're saying. I just think that like, this is just another, it just feels, it feels sloppy to me. It feels, it feels frankly like a little sexist. And I just kind of expected much worse from this movie overall, but like also at the same time, continue to expect a little bit more with regard to, to kind of like tricks like that. Well, they are the tricksters. They are the tricksters. That's true. But, um, overall, like I really like this movie. What was there anything that you didn't like? Uh, no, I mean like I, I, I think I went in with extremely low expectations, so mm-hmm. it's possible that I'm grading it on a very generous curve. I think that it's like, Oh, I think that, I think that we're both doing that. But to a at the same time, there was nothing in this movie that was an extreme risk. There was nothing in this movie that was an extreme... And, and for that reason, it like never fa- failed. Yeah. It just kind of but, is consistent, solid B 
be it still throughout. Feels, it feels more not risky but more imaginative than Captain America did to me mm. and it also feels more emotionally affecting than Captain America did to me. I I yeah, I can I can see that argument. I I don't think it's like I think it's equivalently risky, frankly. Although I think there's something kind of inherently nuts about being like we have created a splinter faction of the Nazis. I guess they're like, led Nazis, by a, Nazis are a skull easy, man. Yeah, I, I I mean I agree. I just I think that like um, the whole weird space fantasy setup seems to be like not riskier, but like a little bit more. It's it's like there's more creativity involved in the creation of a society than there is in the recreation of the 1950s oh yeah so it's, even though that uh, society like, is just kind of the lord of the rings meets naboo yeah but i'm like okay with that because oh, I, I mean aesthetically I like, aesthetically yeah. it all looks cool it does look cool yeah it looks um, expensive so yeah i think i yeah i'm sort of surprised at our reaction to this i really want to know what people who are following the podcast are going to think when they find out where we rank this movie which is what brings us to our power rankings all right, this is where everything stands in the Marvel power rankings. At number one, we have Iron Man. One. Iron Man one. At number two, we have the Avengers. At number three, we have Iron Man three. At number four, we have Captain America, the first Avenger. At number five, we have Iron Man two. And at number six, we have Thor. Then all the way at number 23, <laughs> we have the Incredible Hulk. Man, it was a good move to write these down. It was. I'm glad that we have done this. We had exceeded my mental capacity. So where do we want to put the much maligned Thor the Dark World? Well, I mean, I know it's going to make some people angry, but I feel like the number one spot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't actually feel that way. Um, But like number two. No. No? Number three. Yes. I'll fight you on it. Uh, I mean, I, feel like I think this belongs... is a better movie than Iron Man 3. I disagree. I think this is a better movie than Captain America and a worse movie than Iron Man 3. See, now here's the problem. I think that Captain America is kind of better than Iron Man 3 a little bit still. Oh, boy. How do you feel about putting it in the number four slot between Iron Man 3 and Captain America? Yeah, I would do that. That's a, that's 100% where I would put it. Okay. Yeah. I, so I'll allow it. We're saying that it is not as good as Iron Man 3, but better than Captain America? Yeah, though I, I kind of disagree with that sentiment. But I know that I won't win trying to move Iron Man 3, which is why everyone who looks at this list, when future generations uncover this podcast, they'll just be like, man, these guys were contrarians. <laughs> So uh, Iron Man three had such highs though. Oh, the highs were so high. Just, just remember that well, Hispanic got by Scott Bay tattoo. Like I never will forget. <laughs> um, but it it truly is like these two movies are different sides of the coin, right? Because Thor: The Dark World is consistent throughout. It never has the highest highs. It never has the lowest lows. It just kind of like scoots along on a flat plane. Yeah, like you're driving through the middle of the country. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, whereas you are in the Rocky Mountains with Iron Man three. I love it. Um. So that's a metaphor for you. Yeah. So Matt, read off the list. So the new power rankings are one Iron Man, the first Iron Man, two Iron Man colon the first Iron Man, <laughs> two the Avengers, three Iron Man three, four Thor: The Dark World, 
Five, Captain America. Six, Iron Man 2. Seven, Thor. And at number 23, All Alone, The Incredible Hulk. All right. So if you want to write in and tell us why we're wrong, and if you therefore want to be wrong yourself, feel free. You can write us at podcast at zerostars.co, and we look forward to your hate mail. All right. So tell me about these... uh these post-credit sequences. All right, man. We got two of them. We got two. Oh man, they're big now. They All like right. the movies got big. We'll start with with number one. I forgot we had to do this part. <laughs> <laughs> number one, we have um, some Asgardians go to some quirky a space, dude space who world. fell out of the fifth element. Yes, a hundred percent. That's exactly what this is. Played by Benicio del Toro. Yes, called the Collector, and he's called the Collector, and he apparently collects things. Yes, and they tell him that they have both the Tesseract and now the Ether. Yes, and both of those things are Infinity Stones, mm. and that they should not keep both of them together. So they're going to give the Ether to the Collector. Yeah, who says he will keep it safe. The Asgardians leave, and he says something terrifying like, to like, the effect of "Only six more to go." Yes. So you know he's actually bad. He's they should never for, for Thanos. Well, probably that purple dude. Maybe I don't know what, what, what purple dude. <laughs> Who can say? Um, but it means something to someone out there. Yeah, and it, I really appreciated this. As a post-credit sequence, it's, it's very weird, and it opens up the world yep. in funky new aesthetic ways. I think ways it's like my I'm second favorite of them. Like, I really liked it. I like, yeah. I don't know if it might be my second favorite because it doesn't have Tony in it, but like, <laughs> but I do like it a lot. You are just the simplest man. Yeah. Like, it has Tony Stark in it, and you're just like, yeah, this is probably the greatest movie I I've mean, ever or seen. It has like Mark Ruffalo in it as well. Like, it could have. Oh been. yeah, that's why that. That's last, why that, that last, last one is one. the two best, the two best like characters and the two best actors. Mm. Um. But I, yeah, I'm I'm very curious. I love Benicio del Toro. So watching him like with with bleached blonde hair. Oh, he is chomping on that scene. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh my God, <laughs> chewing every is, bit of it. He's like, does anybody want gum? And they just gave him the film for this scene, and he chewed on that. Oh my lord. Um. Then we get the the whole credits, and then we get a true post credit sequence. A like a a. a addendum to yeah. what we had seen previously in which thor flies down um everyone's eating their breakfast still thor flies down to like the balcony on that really sweet london apartment and jane goes out and they finally smooch yep i guess they did smooch earlier they but they smooch, get to smooch again and then it's like undercut with a joke what's the joke yeah the joke is that then we we cut back to this or as a reminder like when all those portals were open and one of the planes this like weird dog alien thing got out oh yeah this big monster this big monster dog alien thing that's like both terrifying but kind of cute oh very cute yeah and then like so it's like undercut by like after they're smooching like it cuts to like this thing just like chasing a bunch of birds on a dock on like a dock somewhere just like running around in london there's just this monster (laughs) but it's like kind of adorable well and this brings up something that i was saying while we were watching it which is it is interesting to think about how these movies just posit a world where multiple times a year aliens show up in major metropolitan areas which i was thinking about it means that there would be like news stories that would be like you're actually 400 times more likely to die by being eaten from like a shark than you are to be killed in one of the alien attacks by a mutant alien dog right the alien attacks get a lot of press but they actually don't result in that many fatalities only once or twice a year (laughs) yeah like it's amazing to think about how that would just be 
woven into the yes. fabric of existence. The, the obesity epidemic and the opioid, opioid epidemic are really killing many more people. Than right. You, it would just take, be like, yeah. we need to ban cigarettes. Forget about the aliens. And people being like, well, should I go visit London if it's been attacked already? Does that mean it's more likely to be attacked again? Or is it less likely to be attacked again? Like, this is the movie that I want. I want a movie that is otherwise a totally normal romantic comedy. Yeah. But it just takes, it takes place, place in the Marvel Universe. In, the, like, yeah, a world where this stuff is on TV. I kind of hope that like ant-man or something does something like that some movie that plays like much more fast and loose with the entire like it feels like there's room for it but the problem with anything is that they want to have like a more interesting main character who has like some sort of power yeah so i guess like if hawkeye wasn't such a self-serious dolt we could get him at home right like with the white like they're watching tnt yeah Yeah, yes they're watching an episode of cops where the cops are like pursuing a rogue Chitari or something who's drunk <laughs> and they pull the Chitari over and he's like oh I'm so screwed right now bro <laughs> like that's what I want um, um, maybe Ragnarok's like that I don't know alright let's let's talk about video games we'll, we'll take a quick break and then we're gonna jump into video games because we gotta get this over fast alright we're back. I played the bare minimum of video games. Matt, what did we play? We played the beta for Call of Duty Modern Warfare as developed by Infinity Ward. The reboot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Which is a bold move. Yeah, you call a game Modern Warfare, you mean business. And I'll be honest, I've played two rounds of it, and it seems quite good. It's a lot of fun. It's a very good it video is, game. It is more Call of Duty. Um, this is Infinity Ward, but it's not the original Infinity Ward. It is Infinity Ward in name only. Exactly. Um, but they are doing a very good job of impersonating the original Infinity Ward, in my opinion. This game feels excellent. Yes. And sound design the is sound is bonkers on point, good. And it just looks great and is the exact Call of Duty gameplay that you expect. In some ways, I would say it is the Thor the Dark World. Yeah. of a video game where I'm like, I know exactly what I'm getting. I am getting total competence delivered to me that looks expensive and it's fun. I mean, I never thought that I would say this, but I'm considering buying this game when it comes as, out. As am this I, beta, having played that. This beta is very strong, but let us not forget that this is the Call of Duty c- game that has the campaign, <laughs> that has a level that lets you shoot a baby if you want to. If you want. You are not necessarily not to. encouraged to shoot the baby. As they point out, this is a moral game and there will be repercussions for shooting a baby. Do they say there are repercussions? Insofar as that people will be like, that wasn't cool, dude. <laughs> It's not like you're going to get less XP or something. You just advance to the next level, and people are like, you've got to chill on the civilian casualties, Don't guys. kill the babies. If you weren't the best we had, we'd let you go. <laughs> but like, what What are they thinking? Because this is the dark and gritty reboot this where, is the dark where and gritty babies one. can be shot. Well, it's the dark and gritty one, but at the same time, it is, from having played that multiplayer, just the exact same Call of Duty you know and love. Yes. And that part of it is so not dark and gritty that it just undercuts anything. Oh yeah, they the do multiplayer is just still dumb hide and go seek tag. Yeah, it's like just tag. it's just it's more of the same, and it's just it's built well, great sound, oh, and yeah. it's it's just a good time. So yeah, I I'm kind of wondering whether that's going to happen whenever that game drops. I can't remember when it drops. Maybe like in November. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. 